Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Happy New Year's. Thank you all for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have another Fusion episode going on because, like we said, it's the first of the year and really entertainment is kind of not really kicked into high gear just yet. We'll say most offices just got back to work yesterday as we record. Right. So there isn't a lot to do two shows this week. So we figured we'd do another fusion episode and going by the download numbers, you really enjoyed that. So for another back-to-back week, we're going to do the fusion, which means we're going to be talking sports. We're going to be talking pro wrestling. We're going to be talking movies, TV, comics, and so much more that only the OTPH does. And... We still want to keep that conversation rolling with you, so make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on social media. We have all our accounts right there, along with the T Public Store link, along with the Patreon link, one tier, $2 a month, and a whole lot of content on the way. Parlay Points blog section, classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast. The directory, Pad, how many providers are we on? Uh, 140,000. Sounds about right to me. We keep getting told we get found here, there, and everywhere. So if you're not following, make sure to drop that follow and subscribe. It does help the algorithm, does help out the show, and it does help keep that conversation rolling. And for anything else, it is the ODPH. You can find it at odphpodcast.com. And remember on social media to use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off this edition of the show, though, we have to recap the week that was in the NFL. Mm -hmm. But this will not be a typical start to our usual locks and leaps recap. Nope. Because, unfortunately, there was an incident that happened Monday night that shook me to the core um, watching at home. And, Pad, why don't you just lead into it? Yeah, so, of course, uh, this was between the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals up in Cincinnati. You know, a lot of implications and a lot of a lot on the line for this game. You know, both the Bills and the Bengals and also the Chiefs were factored into this, even though they weren't playing. You know, mm-hmm. all three teams in contention for the number one seed in the AFC home field advantage you know, throughout the playoffs, some were calling it, you know, the biggest Monday night football game in ESPN history, you know, so there was a lot on the line, you know, and it started off, you know, just about the way you'd think, you know, uh, Cincinnati scored and the, Buffalo came with a, had a field goal, you know, so on, and so Cincinnati, you know, at one point, uh, kind of like the middle part of the first quarter, I would say, uh, was coming down the field, you know, Joe Burrow made a pass, you know, completed to well, T Higgins. T. Higgins you know, who was coming across the field. And then DeMar Hamlin, who is, you know, the second string uh, player for the Buffalo Bills, taking uh, the place of Micah Hyde, who had suffered a neck injury in week two, I believe it was. Uh, So he'd been playing for Micah Hyde in place of Micah Hyde since week two this season. You know, made what, what everyone, you know, I've heard that has played professional football and even, you know, college and high school and whatever, has said is the most routine tackle of routine tackles. You know, he tackled him. They went to the ground. Uh, DeMar Hamlin stood back up almost immediately, I would say. Like, there wasn't any of the usual, like, oh, they're laying on the ground. Like, oh, I just tackled the guy. Like, tackled the guy and then pretty much got back up. And then before he could even take another step, 
you know, a split second later, he then dropped to the ground. Yeah. You know, and, and everyone was concerned at first. I will, I, I will say for myself, I wasn't watching just because I don't have any rooting interest in either of these teams. You know, I was watching Monday Night Football, but we have a, a group chat for, you know, the podcast with some other podcast friends we do for Locks and Leaps. And everyone started freaking out at once. And mm-hmm. I went, what the, you know, what the heck is going on? Flipped over, and it, and at that point, I knew something was wrong because Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are speaking in somber tones. You know, the players from both teams are kind of surrounding the, what was going on on the field. I dug up the clip, and I went, and to me, I, I can't speak for you, but to me, when I saw the clip, I didn't think anything that major happened because I'm like, I'm watching the clip, I'm like, all right, he, he got down, you know, he took the tackle, he got back up, but then he dropped, like, what the heck's going on? So then the reports and, and stuff start coming out that he was receiving CPR on the field. Uh, the ambulance came out, you know, and he was put on the stretcher and put in the ambulance. Uh, he was. It's been reported that he was given a, a defibrillator shock uh, once, at least once on the field. It's come out in the days since that he received another one once he got to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was loaded into the ambulance, and before he was taken away, I don't, I, fortunately, unfortunately, however you want to look at it, his mother was in attendance at the game. So the ambulance held off leaving so that his mother could come down and ride in the ambulance with him to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, which is, you know, a level one trauma. Uh, it's the only level one trauma uh, facility in the area and, and are regarded as one of the best uh, hospitals in the area for a lot of different things. Yeah, uh, I know they helped treat ryan shazier of the pittsburgh steelers when he had his injury mm-hmm. a couple years ago uh but so then you know it became the question of what happens with the game you know because in a lot of instances over the years you know guys have have been injured and carted off and, and it's not the first time we've seen an ambulance on the field you know we've seen ambulances on the field before but they've always kept the game going but you could just tell based on everyone's all the players and even some of the coaches' reactions that there was something different to this, something major was going on. And it was reported on the broadcast by Joe Buck that they would be given a five-minute uh, uh, wind- warm-up period. Warm period before they would start. And at that point, you were seeing Stefan Diggs on the sidelines with some of the players of the Bills, and he was trying to fire him up. How the hell he came up with anything to say in that moment is beyond me, but hey, kudos to you, sir. And Joe Burrow was even seen on the sideline tossing the football around, like like you see a lot of quarterbacks do after they took you know after the defense came on the field and they're getting ready to go back in the game. You see this all the time. At that point, uh, the coaches came across the field, met at about midfield, and then both teams left the field and went back to the locker rooms. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I think most people kind of figured, all right, they're probably they're going back in there. They're not coming back out. So more time elapsed. Uh, you had Susie Kalber, Booger McFarland, and Adam Schefter in the studio trying to fill time, which I, I got to give them all the kudos in the world. That is an unenviable position, and the fact that they were able to pull that off while holding it, barely holding it together, is, is astounding, you know. But eventually, uh, Lisa Salters, who is the field reporter for Monday Night Football, did say that, like, you know, some of the Bengals players came down to the Bills locker room just to, like, check on them how they're doing and this and that. And Lisa Salters did say that Stefan Diggs was in a towel, which she kind of took, you know, I, I don't think they're coming back out. And so then she threw it back to Joe Buck, who made the comment, yeah, I, I, I'm now looking down at the field. And he, one of the cameras uh, picked up the shot of the Buffalo Bills equipment folks 
putting everything back in the boxes and, and wheeling them back towards off the field. So it's like, okay, yeah, this pro- this game's probably over and done with. So the the incident of the injury took place at about eight fifty five, if I remember correctly, the timeline. Right around then, uh, he uh, Demar Hamlin left the stadium at about nine twenty five. And then the game was called at around 10 o'clock, I want to say. It was late, yeah. It was, it was around 10 o'clock. Uh, the game was called. Uh, it was it was postponed. with, And as we currently record, there is no plans for what they're going to do with the game. The, you know, the, the NFL has said their first, uh, you know, a, a, their first uh, response or concern, I should say, is with DeMar Hamlin. They'll figure out the game later. Uh, the both teams' week eighteen games are not changed. They're not getting pushed back, you know, so they will occur. But as to what happens with this, because there's still playoff implications with this, you know, this isn't a case of you know if this was earlier in the season, this would be real easy. To just you know, insert it into the team's bye weeks. Yeah, you switch around a bye week for one team and just have them have the same bye week off and play uh, play on a week, whatever. But the fact that this is you know the second to last week of the season, you've only got one more week, and then you go right into playoffs. You know, it's going to be tough to figure out, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, from what we've been hearing, you know, DeMar Hamlin is improving. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not out of the woods yet. The last I heard from lack because I haven't had time to look today, but the last I heard last night, he's gone from needing 100% oxygen to needing only 50% oxygen. Correct, yeah, that was reported. Which which is awesome news, you know, but he's slowly but surely he's making progress. And, it, and at this point, I don't want to wish to see him back on the field. I want to wish him to have some sort of life he can enjoy. Yeah. You know, well wishes and, and prayers, you know, it's it's absolutely gut wrenching. And I'm not gonna lie, it shook me to my core because I saw everyone freaking out. And I and I'll I'll be honest, with some of the folks, you know, were in our chat were talking about it. I thought a man's head got taken off. Like I, I figured it was something like when Reggie Bush got hit against the Philadelphia Eagles all those years ago. Something like Yeah, that. yeah. The real devastating hit. Something like that. And then I saw this and I'm like well, that doesn't seem that bad. Like, what the heck's going? Like, obviously, something like did his did his Achilles rupture? Did his ACL give out? Like, did, what's uh, this doesn't seem that bad? And then you hear they're giving him CPR. They gave him CPR for reportedly nine minutes. Yeah. And then you, the report came out that he needed an AED, a defibrillator, to come out and shock his heart. Listen, medically, he was dead. Yeah. You know, and and so I sat there, and the more that came out, and the more I got scared because I'm sitting here going. Did I just watch a man die on national television? Yeah. No, I was watching the game live, and I saw the play, and I thought maybe he went down a little hard, and just you know got not just got the wind knocked out of him, sure, just for a brief second, sure. But the minute he went down, I believe it was it might have been T Higgins was pointing and saying like, "Hey, he's down, he's down." Somebody, like somebody, on, wrong. somebody on the Bengals was I can't yeah. remember who, but there was somebody he dropped, and somebody from the Bengals did point like, "Hey, immediately." He needs help. And then the production team cut away. Yep. And they did the wide shot. Yep. So if you're not familiar in television terms, that is the very wide shot. You can't see what's going on. You just see that there are people on the field. You just see the field and the stands and the and basically everything. Kind of like a panoramic shot almost. Yeah. So ESPN and the broadcasting team had to really stretch for time, and I applaud them for. I mean. This was such an uncomfortable situation to be thrown into, oh, yeah. and they did the best they could yeah. with what was going on because the concern shifted away from the game to this man's life, mm-hmm. as it should, because once he needed help in this situation, the game was done. Yeah. Anybody that was concerned about the game at this stage, seriously, fuck off. Yep. And I know that there were people tweeting about it. Those people can go fuck off. 
anybody that really was concerned about fantasy football yeah. and any other bullshit, no. Yeah. The minute he needed medical help, football is the furthest thing that went from my mind. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, too, that we were talking with online. Yeah. And once it was reported that he had to get CPR, mm-hmm. it just became a situation immediately, thoughts, prayers, and positive energy. Yeah. And that's all it should have been going. And that's what a lot of fans were doing. And the outpouring that came out on social media for it immediately. I know that Hamlin has a charity. Yeah, uh, I'm actually pulling it up right now as we speak. It's a, it's a, it's called his foundation is called the Chasing M's Foundation, uh, and he's doing a community toy drive. Uh, so reading, and I'll include a link to this GoFundMe uh, if you want to make a do, uh, donation to it. Uh, so reading from the GoFundMe, it says, "Quote: uh, As I embark on my journey to the NFL, I will never forget where I came from, and I am committed to using my platform to positive positively impact the community that raised me." I created the Chasing M's Foundation as a vehicle that will allow me to deliver that impact. And the first program is the 2020 Community Toy Drive. This campaign gives you the opportunity to contribute to our first initiative and positively impact children who have been hardest hit by the pandemic. 100% of the funds raised will go toward the purchase of toys for kids in need. The time to act is now as we will be distributing the toys on December 22nd from 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. from Kelly and Nina's Daycare Center at 800 Russellwood Ave, uh, McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania. Uh, so this this is basically the easiest way, close quote, by the way, this is the easiest way to get money to him, to support him in any way, shape or form. And, and, the, and the goal of this foundation is $2,500. Uh, let me give it a fresh refresh just to make sure I have the latest numbers. Okay, I do. Uh, currently, as we record, it is sitting at $6,661,040. Uh, and just some of the notable top donations, and, and every donation counts, but just some of it's awesome to see just the outpouring of support for this. I mean, you have Jim Ursa in the Indianapolis Colts donating $25,003. Uh, Robert Kraft in the New England Patriots giving $18,003. Matthew Stafford, $12,000. New Era Cap, you know, the folks who make all the baseball hats and the, and the sports hats. $10,003. The Houston Texans, $10,003. Russell and Sierra Wilson, $10,000. Tom Brady, $10,000. Sauce Gardner, $5,000. Uh, the Mike Evans Family Foundation, $5,000. Uh, Devante and uh, Devane Adams, uh, $5,000. The Washington Commanders, $5,000. Uh, Chris Jericho gave ten thousand uh, dollars. Let's see. You also had Andy Dalton gave three thousand. Andy Dalton gave three thousand. Uh, I know uh, George Kittle gave some money. I know Christian McCaffrey was in there as well. Shannon Sharp twenty five hundred dollars. Josh McDaniels gave twenty five hundred dollars. Uh, you know, there's just a whole bunch. I know a bunch of New England Patriots have given some. I know Lawrence Guy gave some. Jason and Devin McCourty each gave two thousand each. Uh, you know, so it's it's just awesome to see that this little foundation after the tragic accident, get all this love and support. Yeah, no, that, that was something to, to witness. And obviously turning a very negative situation into a more positive direction. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the big concern now is Hamlin's health. Yes. And we are all, everybody here at 607 Podcasts, is wishing him just a speedy and a healthy recovery as soon as possible. Yeah, and not even just like, hey, we want to see you back on the field. No, I want to see no. you having a life that you can live and, and be happy with. Exactly. No, football is now secondary to this. And immediately, once he went to the hospital, this game was done. 
Yeah. And I applaud the coaching staff of the Cincinnati Bengals. And, oh, yeah. And Zach Taylor. Co- coaching staff really stepped up. Yep. And Sean McDermott, uh, who immediately I'm reading the quote from ESPN.com. Taylor said, quote, when I got over there, the first thing uh, McDermott said is, I need to be at the hospital with DeMar. I shouldn't be coaching this game, end quote. And they did the right call there. The, you knew immediately the Bills were done, the Bengals were done. And I don't care what the NFL was trying to do and give the five minutes, which I know happens with other injuries. Right. This is not an ordinary injury. This is a man's life. Well, and the NFL can say whatever it wants about the whole thing. I know Troy Vincent, you know, who's one of the vice presidents of the NFL, has come out multiple times denying that five minutes was ever given. I heard it myself on the broadcast. And listen, as much hate as Joe Buck gets, Mm -hmm. Joe Buck in these type of instances is not making shit up and pulling it out of his butt. And I'm reading from an article on the New York Post.com from Andrew Marchand, who is a uh, sports TV, sports media writer for the New York Post. Honestly, if you if you want to follow someone who's good and, and knows a lot and gets good stories about the sports media, Andrew Marchand on Twitter is a good one to follow because he interviewed Joe Buck. Mm-hmm. Uh, reading and reading from this article uh, on the New York Post.com, it says, "quote Buck told the Post he relayed the information from ESPN's rules analyst John Perry." who was in direct communication with the league. Buck's network backed his telling of the events. There was constant communication in real time between ESPN and league and game officials. ESPN said in a statement. As a result of that, we reported what we were told in the moment and immediately updated fans as new information was learned. This was an unprecedented, rapidly evolving circumstance. All night long, we refrained from speculation, close quote. So the NFL can say whatever it wants. It might not have come from Roger Goodell or, or Troy Vincent or whoever else in the higher echelons of the NFL, but somebody in that league office or on the field of note said five minutes. And it was relayed to John Perry, who told, uh, it sounds like told Joe Buck this, because I heard it myself, and I even said it in our group chat. I'm like, wait, did I just hear that right? They're going to go back five minutes when the man's not even at the hospital yet? Yeah. Like I say, I understand that that might be the protocol for injuries like a broken leg, broken arm, getting somebody off the field. This was never that situation. Right. The minute that you had to administer CPR Mm -hmm. and get an ambulance on to get him to a hospital. Yeah. The game is done. Yeah. Whoever thought five minutes was going to be enough time, seriously, fuck off. Well, and, and unfortunately, that's just from the stories I've been hearing. I know Ryan Clark told the story uh, on Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt Monday night, where, and I've heard it a couple other times in the days since, but this unfortunately seems to be a, a kind of like a culture and a mindset with football where somebody gets hurt move and get and go on because when ryan clark was talking about on scott van Pell, his time at lsu they were in practice and somebody got hurt i think he said somebody tore their acl or something and they were on the field writhing in agony mm-hmm. and the and the coach or whoever was running the practice just went all right well i guess we just got to move the cones down 15 yards and keep going meanwhile this kid is not even off the field yet writhing in agony you yeah. know it just seems to be a, a shitty part of the game which honestly i think needs changed oh it absolutely needs change it absolutely does and I am just applauding the Bills and Bengals for just saying, you know what, screw this. Yeah. And doing the right thing as humans. And that is caring about somebody else who is fighting for their life. Yeah. Anything else didn't matter in that moment and doesn't matter. The game should have been called immediately then. It wasn't. I know it was later in the night, like you said, about 10 o'clock from 
Right. It was about it was about ten o'clock, and and I, and I will admit I was getting pissed off. Like, why are you not calling us? Why are you not calling us? Why are you not calling us? Well, yeah. And, and the once I had some time to separate myself from the moment and from all the emotions, I understand why they didn't. Just because, outside, if you've never been to a, a, a stadium, you know, in or ballpark, what have you, in America, slightly chaotic when you're going to it and you're leaving it after a game. You know, I, I can speak for Yankee Stadium. I, I've been to the Bills one, but I was, God, that was going on 25 years ago at this point. But outside Yankee Stadium, absolute zoo in every sense of the word once a game is, before a game starts and once a game's over because it's essentially like letting the barn doors out and all the and all the farm animals go running out of the barn. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're going to the four corners of the, of the city, you know, and that and the same can be said for other sports teams and other other venues. So you've got this you've got this guy who just let's be honest was medically dead on the field for all intents and purposes. He's he's alive now, but I think under medical and listen, I'm no doctor, but I think under medical definitions a lot of doctors would say he was dead. Mm-hmm. You needed you needed two defibrillations to restart his heart and he did CPR for 9 minutes. Yeah. The man was dead. You know, so the last thing you want to do is try to get him to the hot now I know the one reporter they had for ESPN covered the Bengals and lived in the city. He said it's about a, it's about a two, what did he say? It's like two miles. Yeah, it's something about, like that. it's like two miles away from the stadium. So it's a, it's a relatively quick drive on no, under normal circumstances, but you throw traffic into that. Not all of a sudden when you got to get him there immediately, then you run into issues. So I understand why they didn't immediately do it because they didn't want to send all of these people, however, whatever the capacity was for the stadium out into the four corners. And then all of a sudden make it that much harder for the ambulance to get there. Also, they had to wait because the mother don't know where she was sitting, but you had to find them, find the mother. His family was there. His family was there. They had to get from wherever they were sitting Mm -hmm. down to the, down to the ground level of the stadium. Cause again, don't know where he was sitting, but I guarantee you it wasn't front row of the 50 yard line. So that's not easy in and of itself fighting through a sea of people, Yeah, you know? And so should they have called it sooner? Yes. But given the circumstances and just the logistics of all of a sudden you've got these, these, officers and medical personnel who who are robotic in a sense of like, okay, game starts at this time. We know we got to be in a certain place at that time. You know, they've got to, all of a sudden you got to kind of get them out of their, their element and go, okay, well, wait, we got to go over here. We got to do this. We got to speed everything up. I understand why they didn't. And this was just such an uncharted situation for the NFL. Yeah. No, like I say, this was just chilling. Yeah. And like I say, watching at home, I just remember just going numb. Like, mm-hmm. I, just, I was like, what is good? Like, how is this happening? And just like, you know, just trying to say, like, watching and then when all the details started coming in, it's like, oh, my God, like, I can't even imagine. I, I just yeah. can't. Yeah. So that said, the game has been postponed indefinitely. Yep. I don't know what they're going to do. And frankly, I don't care. I've heard every possible scenario from they're going to they're going to cut out the Pro Bowl, push the playoffs back. So you'd have. Wild card round, divisional card round, championship round, immediately into the Super Bowl, you know, and put in a week 19 to, and have just the Bills and Bengals play there mm. to they're going to they're going to keep the they're going to treat the game as final and the score will be what it is to they're going to avoid it and make it a no contest. I've like literally every possible combination of a scenario in the last 48 hours I've heard. Yeah. So, like I say, honestly, at this stage, it just doesn't matter. And that's the big thing. The only thing right now is. Damar Hamlin is getting help. Yes. And we are just keeping all thoughts, prayers, positive energy. 
going to him and obviously we were just hoping for the best possible outcome for him and his family and to see the fans came out and supported his charity that was a great thing to see the the players take a stand and just say you know what life is bigger than the game i applaud them and i really cannot understand if anybody was sitting there trying to say the game was going to need to continue for fantasy reasons football anything at that moment is done yeah, done and should never even came up. That is, in fact, why one reporter or TV personality made a tweet. I don't even want to mention him and was completely in the wrong place, wrong time for uh, doing that. I'll, all I'll say is that if you know who we're talking about, you know who we're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. Because wrong place, wrong time did not matter. The only thing that matters is you keep a good, positive vibe, thought, prayer, whatever you do for DeMar Hamlin and his family. Yeah. I'm getting worked up even talking about this. I will say one other good thing that came out of this today is obviously the family's been there since Monday night and probably hasn't left for any reason whatsoever. Mm. Uh, the culinary chef, Jeff Ruby, who owns like seven steakhouses in various places around the uh, around the country, is catering a meal for the family at the hospital. Oh, that's, that's so, very so, nice and he, he's got a He runs a bunch of steakhouses, so they're getting a real good meal uh, free of charge, which yeah. is awesome to see. It's, ama- it's amazing to see just the human side come out, you know, from the fans and yeah. everybody else, you know, donating and, you know, their time and money yeah. and, you know, like that's... I mean, even, even some of the sports teams that aren't affiliated with football. Yeah. You know, like I know the Cincinnati Reds, on their video board in their stadium and outside the stadium, put up a prayers for Demar Hamlin, thing, yeah. which was which was nice to see. No, it's it's nice to see because you you expect the NFL to do that. Like as as nice as it is, and I'm not shit talking in any way, shape, or form. But like as nice as it is to see all the teams, you know, change their profile pictures on their social media and, and all this stuff. Like as nice as that is. Reds didn't need to do that. Like, no. they, yeah, they're in Cincinnati, so like, there's kind of like that. Okay, we're neighbors. We, we're kind of affiliated with Cincinnati. We, like, we feel for you. They didn't have to go out. Like, it's the off season. They're they're not doing anything right now. But for them to go out of their way, go to the stadium and set that up, awesome to see. No, it's awesome to see people caring and people trying to show that support, however they can do it. Yeah, that's the one good takeaway from all this. And like I say, just to kind of close this out, I. Just on behalf of everybody at 607 Podcast, we are keeping a very good prayer, thought, energy, yeah. however you want to define it for DeMar, yeah. Ham- DeMar Hamlin and his family. And, you know, we're just hoping for the best there. Hoping for the best and hoping for a good recovery. Absolutely. So that said, we're going to take a quick break, recompose, and come back and start talking some sports. So sit tight. We'll be right back. You ever wondered what comics Mark from Vale Mai is into? What Zach from Left Behind's favorite MCU movies are? Well, Metalcore Nerds is the show for you. My name is Sean Mott, and here at Metalcore Nerds, we cover the latest things in pop culture, whether it be Star Wars, Marvel, DC, AEW, and everything else in between. You can listen to the show every Monday on Adobe Howl at 7 p.m. Eastern, or find it anywhere you find podcasts after it debuts on the radio station. Sorry, folks, we just had to take a moment to recompose here and get back to the program scheduling. But like we say one last time, positive energy, thoughts into DeMar Hamlin and his family right now, speeding healthy recovery, which is from all of us here at the ODPH. So that said, Pad, let's start talking some locks and leaps. Yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, my locks, which I chose one of them. I chose the Kansas City Chiefs to beat the Denver Broncos, which they did by the final score of 27-24. Patrick Mahomes, 29-42, of 328 yards passing, three touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Russell Wilson, 26 of 38 for 222 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, Latavius Murray led Denver in rushing, 12 carries, 56 yards, no touchdowns. 
Isaiah uh, Pacheco led Kansas City in rushing. Nine carries, 31 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Kadarius Tooney, Tony, uh, led Kansas City in receiving. Four catches, 71 yards, no touchdowns. And then uh, leading Denver in receiving was Albert. And I'm going to spell this last name because otherwise I'm going to butcher the absolute shit out of it. O-K-W-U-E-G-B-U-N-A-M led in uh, receiving with... Uh, Three catches, 45 yards, and one touchdown. I will say this game was a bit of a surprise. Yeah. Because, let's face it, Denver's not good. No. Under any circumstance. But this is probably the expectation that we had in the preseason when we heard Russell Wilson was coming to Denver. Yeah. That this was going to be a highly contested game. And for whatever reason, Denver decided to show up. And to see Kansas City on the ropes... We have to remember one thing, too. Mm-hmm. It's division. Yes. You knew they were going to step up. Yes. And the fact that they had Kansas City on the ropes hanging on, you know, before the, the referee stopped the fight, so to speak. This is a true test that Kansas City might have been looking past them, to be honest with it you. It could be. That's the only thing I could think of, because the fact that Denver hit them pretty hard in the mouth, and they were only down ten or 13 to 10 at halftime. Mm-hmm. And we're really in this game. Yeah. I think it's a true telling sign that Kansas City might have been overlooking them and maybe showed some teams a little way to kind of give them some problems. Well, and especially you look at, you know, you mentioned the score at halftime and then you come out of halftime and Denver puts up at seven points in the third quarter to Kansas City's goose egg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that also did not help matters. But I think for Kansas City, this is going to be a game that they're going to have to really get locked back in and think about playoffs and really try locking up whatever top seed they can get because mm-hmm. to have a loss like this, and I do say this kind of feels more like a loss than a win, is going to be something that will go linger on to them for week 18. Could be. And they're going to need a bounce-back game. They're going to need to set a precedent that they're going to be the team to beat in the AFC. And this game was not the one to showcase that. But no. looking at who they got coming up. Yeah, so uh, Kansas City for the final week of the season is on the road playing the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, that is at 4.30 on Saturday, January 7th on ESPN. Uh, and then just to be fair, the Denver Broncos the final week of the year are at home playing the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, that is on Sunday. Double division game. I like mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Well, you have to think about this. The Raiders could play spoiler. Could be. They have the potential to. Albeit, though, you understand Derek Carr has now left, and yep. it's kind of a weird coming back. It's a weird vibe over there. So we all need to res- to understand that. But never say never, and the Chiefs are really going to have to blow out the Raiders to really make a statement. Yeah, I would say so. They That's the only way they can really make this game into something. The Raiders, like I said, they could play spoiler because this could be Josh McDaniels' last game. I'm not doubting that because – We've been hearing more and more about Sean Payton returning to coaching. Sure. And my leap as it stands right now is he's going to Vegas. Could be. I mean, you've also got the Jim Harbaugh rumors swirling. Yeah, that's kind of lingering around, too. Which which he got asked about it today as we record, and, and he said, quote, I think I'm coaching at Michigan next year, which certainly left the door wide enough open that uh, he might not be. Well, I think he would need a real good reason to leave what he's built at Michigan. Well, I mean, short of getting a quarterback, Raiders on paper, pretty damn good. Well, you have to think about this. you got to get a quarterback, which, you know, kind of important. But outside of that, pretty damn good. Well, there is a rumor that was floating around, too, about Sean Payton. 
yeah. wherever he winds up, that yeah. a certain quarterback would be following him. Yeah, ask Miami how that went. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, I don't know. But if Tom Brady does follow him out there, and I know Rich from 3FN was kind of talking about this a little too, that could be maybe the missing piece. I don't know. I don't. Fe- in my personal opinion, I don't know. I don't want to say yes. I don't want to say no. Because there's something about Tom Brady with Peyton with Sean Payton that I think could do some damage. I mean, it's not any different than what he's got in Tampa Bay right now. But different head coach, though. Yeah, I mean, different head coach. But I mean, I'm just looking at the pieces. You know, admittedly, Vegas's running game is a lot better than mm-hmm. Tampa Bay's right now. Leonard Fournette with his Injury supposedly, you know, is going on, and then I mean the receiving core, Devonte Adams, you know, and then you've got Darren Waller also there as well with Hunter Renfro. I mean, it, it, it it's comparable, it's if not better or as good as uh, Tampa Bay's. I think it's better though, you know, but the defense on paper is better than Tampa Bay's right now. I mean, the the head coach does make the difference, but I mean, I, I just. Short of it being Sean Payton, you put Tom Brady and and. In Las Vegas, I think you see similar results. Well, that's the thing. Peyton would be the the key factor here. Yeah, it would be. That's see, that's the one thing because I know with Brian, with what Byron Lefkowitz has done in Tampa Bay too, has been very very good work. Yeah, but I think for you look in comparison to running backs, Jacobs is more built for Brady's offense than Fournette because Fournette is more of a straightforward running back. Jacobs catches out of the backfield. And that does play heavy into what Brady likes to do. I mean, you saw this all the time in New England. So you have to yeah. think you have to think about that. If he was going to do this, this would be a situation he might want to go lean into. But it's all kind of hearsay right now. But I will say this though. If the Raiders lose this game, I think McDaniels is gone. And I don't doubt hearing Sean Payton as his replacement. Yeah. I really don't. And as for the Broncos, let's ride. Uh, let's ride off to the sunset. There's nothing nice to say about there. Nope. Next up. Uh, it's my other leap, which, ironically, we were talking about. Uh, one of the teams in this was the San Francisco 49ers to beat the Las Vegas Raiders, which they did by the final score of 37-34. to 34. Uh, Brock Purdy, the GOAT of all time, uh, 22 of 35, 284 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Jared Stenham, uh, 23 of 34, 365 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Josh Jacobs, 17 carries, 69 yards, and one touchdown. Uh, Christian McCaffrey obviously led for San Francisco because, duh. Uh, 12, 19 carries, 121 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Brandon Ayuk led San Francisco in receiving with nine catches, 101 yards, one touchdown. And then Devontae Adams led Las Vegas in receiving because, no shit, Sherlock. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven catches, 153 yards, and two touchdowns. Well, the easiest way to say this is the hottest team in football Struggle against the Raiders. Yes. What do you think Kansas City is going to do against the Raiders next week? (laughs) Like, that's where you have to look at this because you can't take anything away from what the 49ers have been up to since Brock Purdy, of all people, took center stage and really lit a fire under this offense. It's weird to say, obviously, because Mr. Irrelevant... It's going to get turned into a movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm calling it now. Like, sporting movies always, you know, do fairly well at the box office. They never do gangbusters, but they do okay. Mm-hmm. This has got Hollywood movie written all over it. Like, guy coming out of college, never given much of a chance, falls to the last pick in the NFL draft, 
gets a uh, jersey called Mr. Irrelevant and a trip to Disney World or wherever the hell he was given a trip to. Yeah, I want to say it was Disney World. In some place weird with, with like a car or something. And then all of a sudden, the team that picks him, starter goes down. And then the backup goes down. And all of a sudden, he's got to find himself in there and he's competing for a playoff spot. Shit writes itself. All you need now is to figure out what you're going to put at the end for the little slow motion video with the little text telling you what happened to him later. Yeah. It's crazy to think about, but that's the storyline that is going on with this team. But since he's been there and Christian McCaffrey has been healthy, yes. we have to stress that point. Also that California weather. Yeah. He has been a whole different player since leaving Carolina to go out there. And that's been something the 49ers have had to rely on. But on the flip side, this also shows the potential for what the Raiders have. Yeah. Because if you can almost get the win over the hottest team in football, mm-hmm. and obviously it's overtime, crazy things happen. Yeah, yeah. You know. This is a situation that I think for a head coach coming in or for a possible free agent quarterback to come in, Mm -hmm. you have to really look at this team and say there's potential. And they did this with Jared Stidham, who former New England Patriot, which is what it is. Is what it is. But I will never forget the man sat behind Tom Brady his rookie year. Garbage time. They were up whatever it was. So they brought in Stidham. I'm like, oh, okay, he's going to get some play time. First career NFL pass was a pick six. And then they benched Stidham and put Brady back in the game. Mm-hmm. So that's how it tells you all you need to know about Stidham. You know, but that just goes to show with with even him at the helm of this this offense, he can look pretty damn good. Oh yeah, that's the whole thing. So if you can if you can find an elite quarterback to take over, or even you know somebody that's on the borderline and go get somebody in the draft, you might have a potential for a good dynasty to build here. Like they have the potential right now with the pieces they have to be an instant contender. It mm-hmm. just depends on who would be a free agent quarterback that could come there. And no, Zach Wilson is not an option. <laughs> Going to clarify that right now. That's a step backwards. But you have to think about it. If Imagine if he had this offense. Oh, yeah, yeah. What would he do? And that's the whole thing for... Zach Wilson, probably not much better. Well, that's a, yeah, well, Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, in our opinions. But for the Raiders, this is the time to showcase what you have, and hopefully you get some improvement next season. Yep. And for the 49ers... A gritty win. Yeah. You know, this is a time that they've really been tested. I mean, they've been on fire so much. This is a good win to yeah. really kind of show that they can get a really hard-fought victory when they need one. Because, obviously, with what's been going on with Philly, that number one seed could be definitely in realm of thought, so to speak. Could be. So there's a lot to look forward to for them as well. Because if they can get some home games in, in the California weather, they're going to be very, very tough to beat. Yep. Uh, so looking at the schedule for the last week of the season, the San Francisco 49ers are playing the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday. Uh, fun fact, the Cardinals, because of all their quarterback injury issues, are starting David Blau. Who? Uh, yeah, exactly. B-L-O-U-G-H, who is in his fourth season out of Purdue. Uh, for the 2022 season, he has 222 yards passing and one touchdown. Uh, and So that should be something. Uh, and then for the Las Vegas Raiders, as we mentioned before, uh, they are playing the Kansas City Chiefs on Saturday on ESPN. Uh, went ahead and looked. Currently, as we record the over-under, or excuse me, the line on that game right now, Kansas City by 9.5. Hmm. In Vegas. Hmm. Just saying. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Definitely a lot of storylines to watch with those teams moving forward in the next week, and obviously on the Monday after, too, because yeah. – like I say, McDaniels, I think, might be on the hot seat just a little mm, bit. Could be. Uh, and then we're going to go to my leaps, which I chose. One of my leaps, I chose the New England Patriots to beat the Miami Dolphins because, hey, listen, 
No disrespect to the Miami Dolphins, but two ain't there. I'm feeling real damn good. Uh, and I did, although by this hair, my fucking chinny chin chin, goddamn. Uh, Patriots won by the final score of 23 to 21. Uh, Mac Jones, 20 of 33 for 203 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, 12 of 19 for 161 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Skylar Thompson also saw some game time going 12 of 21 for 104 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Jeff Wilson Jr. led Miami in rushing with 15 carries, 45 yards, no touchdowns. Ramondre Stevenson led New England with eight carries, 42 yards, no touchdowns. Taquan Thornton, have a fucking game, why don't you? Uh, well, decent game. Uh, led New England in receiving three catches, 60 yards, one touchdown. Uh, and then Raheem Mostert led Miami in receiving with eight catches, 62 yards, and one touchdown. Well, the big takeaway is... Without Tua in the lineup, this mm-hmm. is not a good team. Yeah, and Tua also, as reported today, not starting this upcoming Sunday. Yeah, so Miami is in a little bit of trouble, obviously. Yeah. And, Pad, do you know how many games they've lo- now lost in a row? I don't, but I can look it up. Okay, because while you're looking at that, one thing that we all wrote off was the Patriots. And now the Patriots might sneak in that final playoff spot if everything kind of falls in their favor. Uh, They have now lost one, two, three, four, five games in a row. Yeah. So Miami obviously is not going well into the playoffs. And obviously with Tua not being there, that does hurt them a lot. Yeah, that don't help. Yeah, Tua makes this this team a completely different offense. And I'm sorry, Teddy Bridgewater at this stage is not going to be the guy to get them any further in the playoffs. So... Miami is in this weird state of flux, but I think the biggest takeaway is the Patriots are still alive. And they shut down a fairly goddamn good receiving core because this was tweeted by uh, Mike Reese, who's the ESPN Patriots reporter, uh, who said, quote, uh, you know, the look of he tweeted a photo of Belichick actually smiling uh, and said, quote, the look of a coach the morning after his team's defense limits Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, and Mike Gusecki to a total of nine catches for 125 yards. Hmm. Uh, so in case you're curious, Tyree Kill, four catches, 55 yards, no touchdowns. Jalen Waddell, three catches, 52 yards, no touchdowns. And then Mike Gusecki, two catches, 18 yards, one touchdown. Uh, and those three gentlemen in that order, seven targets, five targets, and then four targets. So it's not like they weren't getting thrown to. No, but the Patriots defense showed up when it needed to, mm-hmm. and they definitely put on a performance, albeit, though, it wasn't against Tua. This is true. That's the big factor that no matter how good of a win this is, Tua was not leading that offense for Miami. So going into the next week, though, interesting storylines heading into the uh, Patriots game. Well, yeah, I mean, especially since the Patriots had two avenues where they could possibly uh, make it into the playoffs, one of which was win out, and then the other one was for the – what is it? The Pittsburgh Steelers needed to lose, and then the, they needed a whole bunch of other things. But we'll get to it later. The fucking Steelers blew that one out of the goddamn water. Hmm. Uh, but no, this, it should be definitely interesting looking at the season uh, for the final week of the season because the New England Patriots are playing the Buffalo Bills. Uh, that is in Buffalo on this upcoming Sunday. So Lord knows what they're going to walk into. Divisional game. Obviously, the tensions and the emotions are going to be high, given everything that's happened in the last forty-eight hours. Tensions are going to be extremely high. Holy hell, that that crowd already loud as is. Yeah, they're going up another decibel point, few decibel decibel points. Uh, and then for the Miami Dolphins, their final week of the season, they are at home playing the New York Jets. So, Jets could play spoiler here for a lot of reasons. They could. They definitely might be able to sneak that out. That defense is the one thing that keeps the Jets relevant. This is true. Quarterback situation, not so much. 
But the Bills-Patriots game is definitely going to be one to mm-hmm. watch this weekend. So a lot of story. I was hoping line. the Bills would win this week so that, you know, they would sit their starters next week. But, hey, circumstances are what they are. Yeah. So definitely going to be an interesting game going into week 18 nevertheless. Mm-hmm. So that being said, Pat, let's take a quick lap around the league and uh, get out of here. Yeah. So uh, the Thursday night game was the had the, the Dallas Cowboys beat the Tennessee Titans 27-13. to so Dallas did what Dallas does best. Mm-hmm. They beat lesser teams. Yeah. So enough said there. Sets up an interesting thing the final week of the season, though, just because Philly kind of stumbling a little bit of late. Jalen Hurts uh, didn't play last week. Does he play this week? Because Lord knows there's a possibility Dallas could overtake Philly with that uh, their number one seed, their first place in the division. I mean, there's a possibility of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you uh, also had, moving on to some of the other games, the Atlanta Falcons beat the Arizona Cardinals 20-19. to Who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Atlanta got a win. Yes, they did. Against a very bad Arizona team. Yeah. Uh, you had the Detroit Lions stomp the Chicago Bears by the final score of 41-10. to the hot, well, I shouldn't say the highlight of this. The highlight of this game actually is Detroit is hanging on to a playoff spot yes. and got flexed into Sunday night. Yeah, they did. So how do you predict Whoa. that? That's gonna be that game could go a lot of different ways. I did not think it was gonna come down to that. Yeah. But Detroit needs a lot of help. But the fact they're still relevant and gonna be featured on Sunday night. And Green Bay is only a four and a half point favorite. Yeah, that's saying something. Mm-hmm. But it is also noteworthy, uh, Nathan Peterman taking uh, the starting job on sh- Sunday for Chicago because Justin Fields is out. Yeah, I heard that. Oof, that that's not good for Chicago. <laughs> what are you talking about, the GOAT? <laughs> I, I kid, I kid. No, that is very tough news for Chicago. Yeah. Uh, you also had the New York Giants beat the Indianapolis Colts 38-10. to The Giants are in the playoffs. Yes, they are. How crazy is that scenario? Like, really? Yeah, no, I know. It's, it's wild. But you know what? Hey, as much as I, I give nonsense to Dabble, mm-hmm. he has his team playing very, very good. Mm-hmm. We, you know, they're playing hard for him. I shouldn't say they're playing very good. Yeah. They're playing very hard for him. They did what they should do against a lesser team. They stomped them. Yeah, no, they did. You know, they stomped them, and they definitely made their impression felt. They definitely did what they had to do. And now the Giants are in the playoffs. I mean, what kind of crazy nonsense is this? I mean, uh, just to Kevon Thibodeau, if I said that right. Mm-hmm. If not, I apologize. Um, not even about the whole sack and then you did the the snow angel next to an injured Nick Foles. You know, not the greatest look, but, hey, you probably didn't know. I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt on that one. Sure. You know, but my, my issue and my, kind of the one thing I want to bring up is when asked, asked about it today, either yesterday or today, you know, Jeff Saturday kind of ripped him a new one a little bit about it, calling him classless and gutless and all this other stuff. You know, maybe your best response isn't to say, I don't know who that is and I don't care what they say when when talking about the opposing team's head coach. Because nothing's ever guaranteed with the NFL, and you never know. You could end up on that guy's roster someday. So careful what you say. Not the best look. No. Not the best look at all. But in, in terms of like what you don't want to say, PR firms use that one. Yeah. So I guarantee you the Giants PR team is talking to him as we're recording right now. Probably. But still, Dabble has got those guys playing at a great level. Like I yeah. said, they, they definitely impose their will. That's what yeah. I'm trying to say. Uh, you had the New Orleans Saints shock the Philadelphia Eagles, beating them 20-10. to 10. Well, Jalen Hurts, not in the lineup. Yeah, so Gard- Gardner Minshew. Yep, Gardner did not uh, pull off that win. I thought they still would have enough talent to do it, but 
New Orleans playing spoiler here. Yeah. And definitely making for an interesting final week for Philly. Yeah. Uh, you had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat to the Carolina Panthers 30-24. to Well, Carolina clinches dot 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 question mark yeah like nothing really to write home about this this is not a good division or no tampa bay you mean or tampa bay i'm sorry yeah, well listen somebody's got to win that garbage fucking division there's one team at 500 yeah and that's tampa bay yeah so uh kudos yeah i guess yeah uh the cleveland browns beat the washington commanders 24 to 10 bum 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 loss Nothing really right home about here. Cleveland surprised them, I guess. This uh, is probably the easiest way. Only thing of note from this game, the Commanders debuted their mascot. Uh, whoever's in charge of that decision, what the fuck was that? That's nightmare fuel. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, Google it. At your, Google it at your own risk. That's what yeah, I'm going to say. Yeah, I was I was trying to duck that one. But Fucking nightmare fuel. Yeah. Uh, you had the Jacksonville Jaguars stomp the Houston Texans by the final score of 31-3. to Stat everybody's waiting on. Christian Kirk. Two catches, 21 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jacksonville heading to the playoffs. Yeah. Wow. Good for them. Good for them. Uh, you had the Seattle Seahawks beat the New York Jets 23-6. to Well, the Jets aren't good. No, they're not. Seattle uh, playing a little spoiler here. I mean, they still technically have a shot at the playoffs if, like, a few things fall their way. Yeah. So I think that that would be a very, very interesting scenario if that does happen. I am pulling for Detroit, though, to pull that upset out just for reasons. But if Seattle gets in there, I mean, you talk about Hollywood stories. You have to think about it. This might be one to watch. I mean, Detroit's got a shot, but Seattle currently in the driver's seat because they are in the seventh seed. Uh, and they win, quote, and this is from the little description on ESPN standings uh, under the playoffs tab. Playoffs? Uh, it reads, quote, Seattle wins the tiebreak over Detroit based on head-to-head win percentage. Division tiebreak was initially used to eliminate Green Bay. Detroit wins the tiebreak over Green Bay based on head-to-head win percentage. Hmm. So a lot of confusing things. Very confusing, but love to wait to see how that one plays out. Uh, And speaking of the Packers, uh, they beat the Minnesota Vikings by the final score of 41-17. Vikings are who we thought they were. Trash. Sorry. And lucky. Most overrated team in football. We say it all the time, and this game proves it. Green Bay making, you know, a final push to try getting into those playoffs. I don't know. Justin Jefferson, though, yikes, that's that line. Yeah. Five targets, one catch, 15 yards, no touchdowns. Yeah. And that, woof, yikes. Yeah, he was definitely not having a good day. No. Uh, you had the L.A. Chargers beat the L.A. Rams in the Battle of Los Angeles. Uh, uh, well, PWG be damned. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the final score of 31-10. to 10. Not the greatest game to watch on paper, but you know what? The Chargers did what they normally don't do. They beat a lesser team. Yes. Because the Chargers are the most inconsistent team in the playoffs. Facts. And I have no faith in them going any further than the first round. I really don't. Well, and just the things are just so bad for the Rams this year. Obviously, Super Bowl hangover and, and just everything else, but just yeah, not not good. No. Cam, Cam Akers, though, of course I dropped him fucking <laughs> fucking early in the season, but he's having a resurgence now because, of course, he is. Yeah. Uh, and then final game we got to talk about is the Pittsburgh Steelers who beat the uh, Baltimore Ravens by a final score of 16-13. to 13. Surprising Steelers is the easiest takeaway from this. Did not expect them to be in the relevancy category, obviously how the season started. Yeah. But they're making some noise, 8-8. Eight and 8-8 eight. Yeah, eight and eight. at this point. Mike Tomlin's shriek of never having a losing season as head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers still intact. Yeah. Although, although that does kind of 
bar what happens this upcoming week. This is true. I could throw a wrench into everything. This is very true. But I think for the Steelers, the fact they're winning with Pickett and Najee Harris is now getting back to Harris form, I think this is a step in the right direction for the Steelers, even if they don't do anything in the postseason, you know, whether yeah, they get in or yeah. they don't, because obviously there's a lot of moving parts happening there. This is a situation that I think is something to improve on for how bad they started. And in almost like in a weird kind of parallel circumstance with the Raiders, mm-hmm. for free agents to look to go to the Steelers and see what they have going there. Yeah. I think it's a good sign that that young core taking over for the post Ben Roethlisberger era might have something to it. So definitely interesting. Yeah, no, but uh, Pittsburgh should be interesting. Final week of the season. Uh, I looked it up there playing the Cleveland Browns. That is in Pittsburgh, where currently Pittsburgh is only a two and a half point favorite. That could go anyway. Mm-hmm. That's see division game, and Cleveland does like to play spoiler. This is true, and especially they need that luck because I, I don't believe they clinched playoffs yet. No, they haven't. No, but no. there's like some weird scenario. There's so many teams that have like a chance to get in the final, yeah. the final spots. Uh, let me pull up the playoff things. I, I I won't be able to go through every single scenario, but just right. the teams that are uh, so in the AFC, you've got the Chiefs, Bills, Bengals, uh, Chargers, and then Ravens have all got spots clinched. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them have you know clinched. They've got to clinch the wild card or clinch the playoff berth. Or in some instances, the division. The AFC South is still up for division. Or the AFC, yeah, the AFC South is still up for grabs because the the Jacksonville Jaguars don't have uh, any letter next to their name indicating they've got the division. Or oh, I thought they clinched. No, they didn't. So they're that's still up in the air. Oh wow, okay. Uh, but you've got the New England Patriots are still in it. The Miami Dolphins are still in it, and then the Pittsburgh Steelers are still in it, along with the Tennessee. The Tennessee Titans are are behind the New York Jets in the playoff standings, but they're still technically in it. Hmm. Wild to fucking see. Yeah, that's absolutely crazy to see. Yeah, it's been a week of football, folks. A uh, very, very wild week on the field. Yeah, and unfortunately, one incident that we are just keeping positive thoughts for for the speedy and healthy recovery of Demar Hamlin. So that being said, hit us up on the hashtag hashtag ODPHPod. Let's talk football. And how is your team doing and heading into that final week? A lot of storylines still up in the air. Who is going to make the playoffs? So let's chat about it, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do not adjust your dial or, well, your phone, your watch, or whatever the heck you're using to listen to the awesome podcast you're currently listening to. I am the Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack, and I am here to tell you that being a nerd can be a bit overwhelming, especially after 30. Life moves pretty fast in our nerd culture, and if you don't take the time to notice things, you miss out. That's why I'm here. As your Duke of Nerds, I am charged with educating, enlightening, and entertaining you on all things nerdy. I do it by running the 30 and Nerdy podcast. 30 and Nerdy is a bad cast company production and currently playing wherever you cast your pod. Follow along each episode using the hashtag 30andnerdypod check out what all is going on at 30andnerdypodcast.com whether it's DC, Marvel, comics or video games, I have got you covered. So tune in now. Cheers to you nerds. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast and it's time to talk a little pro wrestling. Hell yeah. So this week has been a very very interesting one in the land of the WWE mm-hmm. and if you're a fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling, this is your WrestleMania. This is Wrestle Kingdom. Uh-huh. 
And there is a lot of headlines going on with this, but we'll start with the WWE first because that one definitely surprised a lot of us. Yes. We did know that John Cena (laughs) was returning to keep a streak of 20 years going. (laughs) Teaming with Kevin Owens (laughs) against Roman Reigns (laughs) and Sami Zayn. The one only Padawan J, folks. And only and almost pulled in a three million rating. Yes. What the fuck? Well, if you uh, don't think that John Cena has high, star... highest rated SmackDown and I believe it was like two years, is what I read. I want to say it was the one since the direct carryover from the NFL. Yes. That Roman yes. Reigns held that audience too, for the record. Yeah, he did. So we all have to wonder who the real needle mover is in pro wrestling. Just <laughs> just friendly reminder about that. Yeah. That's a number that actually matters. Yeah. But the show did have a big surprise, and no, it was not John Cena's bald spot. Yeah, that that was a surprise, though. That was a very big surprise. No, we had a return of a superstar that we were not expecting at this moment. Yeah, so at one point during the show, uh, you had a uh, SmackDown Women's Championship match between Ronda Rousey and Raquel Rodriguez, where Ronda submitted Raquel in 16 minutes, 20 seconds. Yeah. Uh, is what it is, kind of went the way we thought it would. You know, nothing really to write home about. But then as uh, Shanna Baszler and Ronda were in the ring, Ronda had a mic. She looked like she was getting ready to cut a promo. but I, And I think her mouth even moved, but the mic wasn't working. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you hear some sort of familiar music hit, although it was a little different. There's some new music. Uh, and who comes walking out but the, the one, the only, the queen, Charlotte Flair. Yeah. Comes out, wants a rematch with Charlotte Flair because, hey, Never technically lost to you, or whatever, whatever that reasoning was. You know, so, oh, I expect you want to match. She's like, yeah, Charlotte's like, yeah, I want to match. Oh, I want it tonight. And Charlotte and Rhonda, you know, getting a little flustered, goes, oh, you know what? Fuck you. I do want a match tonight. You're on. Let's do it right now. So they did have a match. And uh, Charlotte emerged victorious in, and this is according to ProfiteDB.com, which, hold on, I get, let me see. Uh, yeah, according to ProfiteDB.com, in 40 seconds... Charlotte Flair beat Ronda via pinfall to become your and new WWE SmackDown Women's Champion. This was a complete surprise. Yeah. I mean, we had all known that Charlotte was taking time off. Yep. And we had no definitive timetable when she was coming back. It's been a while. It's been a very, very long time. Let's see. So, obviously, knowing her pedigree with the WWE and and pro wrestling, multi-time world champion, dare I say, the face of the women's division for a good stretch of time? Yes. And one of the top-rated superstars of all time. Like I say, when you talk about ratings, she always is a a needle mover in that division as well. Yeah. So to bring a star of her caliber back to the roster is huge. And then seeing how this is all matched up against Ronda Rousey, Mm -hmm. who took this match after a very grueling one against Raquel Rodriguez. Yep. And said, well, I'm feeling spicy, so let's do this. God, that was such a bad line. Bad line. Rhonda can't cut promos. I'm feeling spicy. Let's do this. Yeah, she really can't cut promos. Suffering succotash. Yeah. No, it, it didn't have that cringe level, but it was bad. It was close. It was close. It was close. But to see her come back after how long has she been out, Pen? Uh, so her last match was at uh, WrestleMania Backlash, which was on May the 8th of 2022. Yeah. So it's been, it's been a hot minute. It's been a very hot minute, but she came back, won the title. So now Ronda, I believe, is going away for a while, I would assume. Probably until at least Mania or, or close to Mania. I could see her coming in for the Rumble, but I don't know about what will happen after that. 
But to see Charlotte back on TV, winning the title, and that does open up a lot of possibilities for storylines. Yeah, well, it, it, it's going to be interesting with the Ronda stuff, just because the rumor I and the, some of the stuff I've been reading online was that like supposedly it was going to be Rhea versus Ronda at Mania. Yeah. Which I was like, okay, so that means Rhea's probably going to win the Rumble, which I'd be all right with. You know, but that kind of got thrown out the window now. Well, there's a lot of speculation going into the Rumble season, which if you're not familiar with pro wrestling, the Royal Rumble winners of the men's and women's matches get automatic title shots at WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. And it's always speculated heavy by fans and quote unquote journalists about who's going where, getting the push and, and going in that trajectory. Yep. Rhea Ripley is one of those characters right now that you could see happen mm-hmm. because she has taken the Judgment Day storyline and made it very relevant Yes, to where she is now doing that whole turn from being a heel to a cool heel. Yep. And that leads to an eventual face turn. So it's not out of the realm of thought to do, but if they had her against Ronda, I don't think that would match up because Ronda is such a heel. And I think they eventually have to do the match with her and Shayna Baszler. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how that would play out. But now with Charlotte there, yeah. they could go back and do Charlotte and Ronda because now yeah. Charlotte is back in face mode for now. Yeah. So there are some possibilities there. But this does lead into some intriguing matchups heading into the Rumble. Yeah, it should be, it should be interesting to see. Yes. And I do like WWE has brought back uh, Royal Rumble qualifying matches. Yes. That's, that's cool to see. Yeah, no. Triple H has taken his time doing this. And obviously is going to really want to make a statement with the Rumble in WrestleMania this year, Mm -hmm. like a big one. I know we're setting the expectations super high, yeah, but I feel he is going to really try out doing Vince McMahon's legacy with this. Oh, yeah. Uh, Only thing to note from Monday Night Raw, uh, you had Austin Theory retain his U.S. title against Seth Rollins uh, through some obvious heel shenanigans, uh, low blow. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Seth Rollins did tweet out, I think it was maybe last night, Maybe it was today. Uh, redesign, rebuild, reclaim. So maybe the visionary is going to go away. We're going to go back to, you know, redesign, rebuild, reclaim Seth Rollins. I don't know. Interesting. He does like trolling the net, though. He does. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And the only other thing of note was uh, we got an update on Dominic Mysterio. Oh, stop. Oh, hold on. You're going to love that. You're going to love this. They did a vignette where he's in jail. Stop. And they're talking. Oh, it gets better. Hold on. It gets better. And he's talking about how jail has changed him. And you know what he's got now? He's got a teardrop tattoo. Fuck out of here. I'm not kidding. Look up the video on WWE's YouTube page. I'll have to show it to you in between segments. But, yeah, no, they did a vignette where he's, quote, unquote, because they showed the whole clip from Christmas Day, showed up to his grandparents' house, and there was a fight between the family members, and the cops got called, and he got, quote, unquote, arrested. But now they're doing a vignette where he's in jail, and he's talking about how jail has changed him. And noticeably, he had a teardrop tattoo near his eye. I, I can't, I can't, I can't even. Oh, my God. I, I was laughing at it because I'm like, this is so dumb, but it's funny. It's bad. I'm sorry. Like, if you're just tuning in for the first time, for, uh, first and foremost, thank you for checking us out. <laughs> I apologize for all the swearing this episode. Dominic Mysterio is not that guy. He's not good in the ring. He's not good on promos. I'm sorry. He needs a lot of work. He should go to NXT and be done. But unfortunately, we're now getting these multi-pushes for him, and they're not getting over. They're now getting that negative heat that you don't want. And now every time I'm hearing about this repackaging, that they're trying to do something different with this character, I'm sorry, it's just not working. You're getting that kind of anger out of me. This is bad. <laughs> out of here. Oh, my God. I, ugh, Just 
no <laughs> on every single kind of level. That's not a return I want to see. Uh, However, though. They would like that. Yeah. However, though, I need to refocus now. We do have a special event going on over in Japan right now. Yeah. That is dominating a lot of headlines, and obviously we'll be doing a full recap on 607TWS this upcoming week with Rich from 3FN. Uh, but this was night one, and it's the instant reactions to Wrestle Kingdom, mm-hmm. which is New Japan Pro Wrestling's star-studded extravaganza event, yep. much like the WWE's WrestleMania, if you're not familiar. Yeah. And this had a couple moments that definitely stood out to us here at the ODPH. One was a big return. Yeah. And then one is arguably a match of the year candidate. So, Pad, take it away. Yeah, so this is uh, took place uh, last night, this morning, however you want to take it, uh, on January 4th, 2023, from the Tokyo Dome in uh, Tokyo, Japan, uh, where with a reported attendance of 26,085. Mm-hmm. Uh, not bad for them. Uh, but uh, they're not going to go through every match because there were 12 of them. Right, that's what I said. There's only a yep. couple that really stand out for us. A couple moments we got to talk about, uh, one of which was the singles match for the IWGP Women's Championship where champion Kyrie, uh, formerly known as Kyrie Sane in the WWE, mm-hmm. uh, defeated uh, Tam uh, Nakano via pinfall in 5 minutes and 56 seconds. Not the moment everyone's talking about, though. The moment everyone's talking about, though, is there's a certain someone who likes money, or should I say Monet, uh, who showed up after the matchup and cut a little bit of a promo, and that is Mercedes Monet, formerly known as Sasha Banks in the WWE, made her debut in New Japan Pro Wrestling, which was a surprise to absolutely no one, unless, no. unless you had not been on the internet in the last six months. Uh, I was expected she'd be there. Everyone anticipated her to be there. She was spotted in an airport in Japan you know, a couple days ago in the lead-up to it, so not surprising, but hey, good for her. Yeah, this was an, uh, a... Very big surprise to some, yeah. Seeing uh, Mercedes over there, I we have not seen her on TV since she walked out with Naomi. This is true. Well, on, outside, on, outside of like TV taping stuff for like there's that USA now there's that USA right. show she's on, but that was pre-taped. Right, that was pre-taped. But as far as wrestling is concerned, yes, yes. we have not seen her or Naomi since they left a television taping under the Vince McMahon regime. Yeah. So, that being said. We had heard a lot of speculation that Sasha, um, or I'm sorry, Mercedes was gone. Yep. We were not sure about her future with WWE. Mm-hmm. Before the event, she did put out a lot of tweets thanking everybody from Triple H to yep. William Regal and yep. a lot of the, the crew crew involved with WWE. So it was very heavily implied that she was going to be over there. And there has been speculation for weeks now yep. that she was going to be making her appearance over there. And she did come out in her new persona, Mercedes Monet. Mm-hmm. Came in the ring, cut a very yeah. okay promo. Yeah. Maybe. Wasn't the worst thing of all time, but there was room for improvement. Yeah, there was definitely a lot that could have been done with the promo and just didn't really kind of connect because they're signed with the match for her and, and Kyrie in the States uh, as, yeah. it, as it was announced. And then she hit her new finisher on Kyrie, and that did not really come off well, hmm. in my opinion. Like a little it, bit of ring rust, do you think, maybe? Uh, I just think it was just mistiming because hmm. it it's kind of like a spinning... Um, Crucifix slash vertebraker okay. into a DDT, and, yeah, you, and, you, and you got to really hit the timing with yeah, it. Yeah. And it just looked off, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Now, mm-hmm. granted, first time in front of a live crowd. So, yeah. really kind of up in the air about that. Yeah. But we'll have to kind of wait to see where it goes from here. Obviously, this throws more pressure on AEW. Yeah. Because it is scheduled for next week, as we record January 11th. That Soraya, aka or formerly known as Paige, 
from the WWE, is having a mystery partner with her to face Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. Mm-hmm. And now this has all signs point that it's going to be Mercedes Monet. I uh, see. I don't think so. See, I'm because I'm, I'm thinking back to when CM Punk was getting ready to debut in AEW, and basically everyone and their mother knew it. Mm-hmm. And even AEW was like hinting at it very. They 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 were going all the way up to the line of like outright saying he was going to show up. They were basically like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, punch in the shoulder, like, hey, he's coming. Yeah. This they're not even really making a mention of now. Maybe Tony has learned from the past, and he wants that bigger shock surprise, so they're not hinting at it. But just to me, I would feel like given you know we're three three and a half years, whatever it is, into Tony's foray as as head booker of AEW, mm-hmm. I feel like we kind of know his mo, we know his shtick at this point. I feel like he wouldn't be able to sit on it. Like he'd be hinted, he'd be hint, having him hint at it heavily. I do agree with you, but I'm going to say this. I think since Wrestle Kingdom happened and they're going into Dynamite tonight in Seattle, right? I think that you're going to see a heavy innuendo like leaning to saying it's it's Sasha. Mm, or, I'm sorry, Mercedes. I I gotta get used to saying that. Maybe because next week I believe is the LA show. Uh, maybe so that'll be pushing that. So that should be an interesting scenario to see if that is the official announcement. I will say the one I did see, and this was somebody speculating pure pure speculation, no rumors, no spoilers, no gossip, no anything. Just somebody throwing out a fan a fantasy booking. The one I did see, I liked AJ Lee. Ooh, which which because <laughs> they've tagged together, which I threw. I'm like that would be fun to see. It'd be fun, but I think under recent uh, yeah. times, yeah, shall we say, yeah, there's that. That's unless something weird happens and you see CM Punk back on AEW TV, but before next week, no that's chance in hell. That's not happening. No chance in hell. It's 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 great fantasy booking, but that is all it is. It's a yeah. fantasy top. To yeah. bottom, yeah. So definitely, we'll have more to talk about that next week as Dynamite is re- is going to be airing after our show tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then another match we got to mention just very quickly uh, was Carl Anderson, who was the never open weight champion over in New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, was beaten by Tama Tonga via pinfall in nine minutes and thirty five seconds. Uh, obviously, you know he's signed to WWE. He's with WWE uh, tr- Triple H and the and the brass and powers that be uh, let him work the dates. Uh, I think everyone expected this, although. Ha- I'd be, I would have been surprised if he retained it. This was a very cool moment to see, and this would never happen under Vince. Oh, I just, hell no. I just want to point out. Hell no. The fact that this weekend you had Carl Anderson go to New Japan Pro Wrestling and it had a great match, mm-hmm. and then you also had Shinsuke Nakamura wrestle for Pro Wrestling Noah against the Great Muda in one of his final matches before he retires. Yeah. This was just awesome to see that like this is the real Forbidden Door opening, and yeah. I and I understand AEW has had a working relationship with New Japan. They've been able to have more independent talent come in. Obviously, we've talked about this at length when they had their partnership with Impact Wrestling. Uh, say what you will about it, I did not think it was uh, very beneficial to both parties. That's my yeah. opinion of it. Yeah, but New Japan they seem to be having a very good working relationship with. And to see WWE follow suit with that, I think, opens up the door for a lot more possibilities as well heading into the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Because there is a chance we might see some more fallout happen. I'm not doubting that we don't see a New Japan Pro Wrestling representative in the Rumble this I, year. I could see it. Is it going to be anybody big like you know Okada or Naito or Jay, like something like that? Eh, I don't think so. I'm going to say this. I'm going to make my call right now. Yeah. It's Will Osprey. Ooh. Because of what happened in the co-main event Ooh. 
that he is no longer uh, IW, IWGP US champion? Yes, he is not. Because Kenny Omega won the belt? Yeah, so uh, this was the co-main event or what, the double main event, part one of the double main event, whatever the, you know, whatever it is. But you had Kenny Omega with Don Callis uh, defeat Will Ospreay, who had United Empire in his corner uh, via pinfall in 34 minutes and 38 seconds uh, in a singles matchup for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. Now, this match was great. That's what I hear. Yeah, no, it's... All dumb. I cared about was the fucking entrance, because Kenny Omega, who's got the finisher, the one-winged angel, came out dressed as Sephiroth. Well, first, they're doing the whole Titantron thing, and I thought because and I thought it because I'm playing it right now. I'm like, are they doing Ghost of Tsushima? Because like, just the way the, the text was appearing on screen and then fading away is done in the same way as Ghost of Tsushima. I'm like, are they doing Ghost of Tsushima? Like, it, it'd be on brand for Kenny being the big video game guy, Japan video game. Like, I'm like, oh, maybe. And then... He threw his arm out, much in the same way a certain Final Fantasy boss does. Mm-hmm. And then the the one wing, you know, the one black feathered wing came out on the Titantron, and I'm like, oh, they're going here. Okay, I'm here for this. And then they ponied up the music to Square Enix for One Winged Angel from Final Fantasy, the actual theme song for Sephiroth. And I went, oh, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. No, about all I cared about. The pageantry they do for New Japan Pro Wrestling at Wrestle Kingdom is the it's legend. It's amazing. It will blow your mind every time. I personally marked out for Will Osprey when I saw Return of the Assassin. Mm-hmm. And he kind of came out to the old theme song, too, which I was like, <gasps> uh, I don't agree with the booking, though. I think it was a very bad mistake. He lost. I will talk more in-depthly about that on 607TWS. Yeah, because, Rich is certainly going to have some things oh, to say. I think if you talk to anybody on 607 Podcast this weekend, we have a lot of things to say about that booking. Because uh, it's very puzzling to see where it's going to happen from here with now Kenny Omega with the U.S. title. What does that mean for the future of that belt? And mm-hmm. is it going to get defended in AEW, especially now that we're going to Game 7 of the uh, Trios Tag Team matches? Good Lord. Because of reasons. So it'll be an interesting scenario as he play out. But for that reason, the fact that he's not champion, yeah. I fully see him coming over. Maybe. I could see Jay White coming over, too, since he was defeated by Okada, yeah. which was probably the most predictable outcome of New Japan Pro Wrestling Wrestle Kingdom this weekend. Yeah. But still a great match, too. And if you haven't seen it, definitely recommend checking it out where you can. Uh, New Japan does some fantastic work. And like I say, this has been a great weekend uh, for them. They Wrestle uh, Kingdom killed it. Yeah. Absolutely crushed it. Yeah. So definitely worth checking out if you haven't seen that. And definitely a lot of noise going into the first of the year here for the pro wrestling world. So definitely hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about Charlotte Flair coming back? How about Mercedes Monet coming to AEW? Question mark. We know New Japan, definitely. And then who do you think is going to be the mystery New Japan Pro Wrestling representative in the Royal Rumble this year. We're already going to call that out there, so I definitely hear some fan fix about that. And if you want to talk more pro wrestling, simple. Make sure to check out the latest edition of 607TWS, The Wrestling Show, on your favorite podcast provider, which you can find links at odpagepodcast.com. That said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, all. I'm Frank. Join me and my friends as we talk about all things geek. Here at Geek Freaks Podcast, we go over the weekly news of everything in geekdom. From movies to TV, video games, and comic books. We also have a growing YouTube community. Join us as we go over everything in your geek life and share in the love of geekdom. Geekdom. 
coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Pad, what you got? Got a couple of things to talk about. Uh, first of which is obviously the local minute. Uh, looking at the standings for the Federal Prospects Hockey League, uh, which is the league our local Binghamton Black Bears play in, uh, specifically the Empire Division. Danbury, those dastardly Danbury, yeah. are still in first place. Record of 20 wins, one loss, and then two losses in either overtime or shootout. Uh, Binghamton hanging right in there in second place, though. 16 wins, five losses, and two losses in either overtime or shootouts. Uh, looking at the schedule for this past week, uh, they had two games, one of which was on Friday, December 30th. That was on the road in Watertown playing the Wolves, where they won by the final score of 6 to nothing. Oh, nice. Uh, then came back on uh, New Year's Eve here locally at home and play, played the Watertown Wolves again, where they won by the final score of 7-3. Looking to this weekend's games, they got two of them. Both of them are at home. Uh, Friday, uh, January 6th, 7 o'clock Eastern, they are playing the Port Huron Prowlers. Uh, and then they are back at the same time, same place, playing the Port Huron Prowlers on Saturday, January 7th. Uh, looking at the promotion schedule, uh, this Friday is Mascot Mania against the Port okay, Huron Prowlers. Okay, a good time. Yep, so you got a pregame uh, kids club mascot meet and greet. Uh, so that'll be, a you know, the Black Bears mascot will be there. I'm sure they'll break out, you know, the Devil's mascot that they that they had. Uh, basically any mascot. That Anybody team, in your shot. It, it, you know, so the Lupo the Lupo Speedy's mascot will be there. The uh, the Bear, Binghamton University Bearcat mascot will be there. You know, basically any mascots in the area will be there. Uh, and then Saturday is Bobblehead Giveaway. Uh, that is given to the first 1,000 fans uh, in attendance, so definitely give that a check out. Uh, for more tickets, information, and all that good stuff, BinghamtonBlackBears.com. Uh, sticking with the sports, got to talk a little college football because this upcoming Monday uh, at 7.30 p.m. Eastern is the college football playoff national championship, uh, and that is between the TCU Horned Frogs and the Georgia Bulldogs. Obviously had a hell of a set of games for these two teams uh, in the semifinals. You had, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, TCU beat Michigan by a final score of 51 to 45, like a fucking video game. Jesus. Video game in that one. Uh, mo- most notable thing, I think, going around the internet after that game was RG3 running off the field in the middle of that game because uh, supposedly his wife had gone into labor. Yep. Uh, turned out to be a false alarm, but still. Oh, man. But still, the, the scene of, uh, of RG3 on the field answering a phone call and the one guy standing there going, What's going on here? Yeah. And then, Wife's in labor. Got to go. And he runs off. Incredible to see, uh, even even if she hasn't given birth. Hey, good luck to you folks. Uh, and then you had the Georgia Bulldogs went up against the uh, the Ohio State University, which, goddamn, the timing on the end of this game. Did not realize it until I saw a video lined up later. Uh, you had the Georgia Bulldogs beat the uh, the Ohio State University by a final score of forty two to forty one, not without an attempted last second or last few seconds uh, field goal attempt from Ohio State, which. Ironically, went wide left just as the, the clock hit midnight Eastern, and the ball dropped in New York City. Uh, if you haven't, oh, seen, that's weird timing. There's, a, I'll have to show. You, there's a video floating around on Twitter where it it happened at about the same time. Like the ball hit, the ball dropped in New York in New York City for midnight, just as the ball was getting kicked in the football game. Oh, man, that's it, wild. It, it timed up near perfectly. It's fucking hilarious to see. Uh, so that sets up for the matchup of TCU versus Georgia, where currently, as we record, Georgia's 12.5-point favorites. Not surprised at that line. Neither am I. I think it's going to be a little bit closer than that. I think TCU can hang, but I don't think they'll win. I'm pulling for TCU. I don't think they're going to hang with them, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, I could see this being a 17-point game yeah. when 
Uh, and then a couple of entertainment things to talk about, uh, one of which is I saw Knives Out 2, or Glass Onion, as it's known, uh, on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend the movie. If you've seen the first one, you should obviously see this one. Even if you haven't seen uh, Knives Out, you can watch this one and be perfectly fine. Nothing is referenced from the first one. There's no characters who show, other than uh, Daniel Craig's Benoit Blanc, who shows up. Nobody, no, nobody from the first movie makes an appearance in this movie. Mm-hmm. So you can go into this completely blind, not knowing really anything. Incredible cameo appearances in this movie, I will say, including a few that you know tugged my heartstrings a little bit. Don't want to spoil it, but highly recommend this movie. Fantastic movie. My only complaint is the middle dragged on a little bit. The middle could have been five minutes shorter. Hmm. You know, other than that, phenomenal movie, start to finish. Edward Norton plays a hell of a prick. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, he's the, great. He's great. Uh, you know, Dave Bautista, Catherine Hahn, you know, Kate Hudson, everybody in the movie, fantastic. Cannot recommend it enough. Uh, in fact, if last I heard, it's like the number two or number three streaming movie on Netflix all time. I'm not doubting that, to yeah. be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, that movie, that has a very solid fan base that really yeah. likes to see it. Yeah. Uh, and then, obviously, drop today. We'll talk more about it next week. Uh, but the first two episodes of season two for Star Wars, The Bad Batch, dropped. This is the spinoff, continuation, whatever you want to call it, for Star Wars, The Clone Wars. This was a group of uh, clones that were introduced in the final season of Clone Wars. Had their first season, phenomenal season, cannot recommend it enough. Uh, the first two episodes dropped today. I've only seen the first one, loved what I saw. A lot of fun, fun little, I, th- I think it might have been a fun little uh, Jack Sparrow, Pirates of the Caribbean homage Easter, okay. egg, Easter egg in that episode, I, I think. Could be wrong, you never know. Uh, but love the first episode, can't wait to watch the second episode when I get home tonight. But we'll talk more about that next week, but I cannot recommend that enough if you're looking for something to watch this week. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff The TV's now coming back into full swing going into the new year. So that one definitely we'll be talking about next week. I didn't get a chance to watch that, but that is on the radar this week. Mm-hmm. But it's been a busy week, and it's going to get even a little crazier with reviews. But it is that time of the week because it's new comic book day. Got two reviews definitely want to talk about. There's a brand new series by Boom Studios. Mm. Shout out to Boom. Mosley, number one, by Rob Gilroy and Sam Luffy. Uh, this book is very cool. Like It's a whole story of how this man goes on this kind of secret project. Okay. And he's working with an android and in kind of picking up on how humanity is. And just you get fast forward to seeing how absolutely crazy things have gone upside down. And this book definitely goes in a lot of different directions. I really enjoyed what I was reading here. I think it's a very strong premise for uh, some you know, five issues I believe the series is going to be. So not really sure how it's all going to play out, but one hell of a swerve at the end to I did not see coming, but now I'm like, okay. This is going to get really crazy. And it's all about, you know, just how much technology is impacting human life. And I think that this is going to be something that fans are going to be talking about. And obviously, creative team is very, very solid. So I'm super excited to see what they got to bring here. And boom, like I say, right now they've been on fire lately. A lot of their new series that they've had come out over the past couple months have been absolute killers. So definitely make sure to check that one out at the local comic shops. Also, the Massiverse is back in full swing. Radiant Pink, number two, by Megan Camarina, Melissa Flores, and Emma Kubert. It's a fun story that's been going on showcasing Radiant Pink and definitely a little curveball at the end. So they are tying in a little bit of drama with this, Pad, but it's a very cool story. It's it's lighthearted, but I tell you, the drama is starting to slowly trickle in. Mm -hmm. And definitely once it really starts setting in what's going on, it's going to be one that I think is going to completely throw a curveball at fans. Nice. But it's a great way for, you know, somebody to get introduced to the character Radiant Pink. And the Massiverse is set to poise for a huge year. And the great thing about this universe, too, which I know has been coming online and I definitely want to reiterate, 
you don't need to read every book to understand what's going on with the Massiverse. Like every character has their own vibe to them. Every story is pretty much self-contained. It's just all under the same roof, much like your favorite superhero universes. So if you're not sure about a character, definitely just take a shot with it and read and see what you like and see what you don't. But I tell you what, Radiant Pink has been a fun series to follow by Image Comics, so you definitely want to make sure you go check that out at your local comic shops this week. Also, Marvel is having a strong week, too. Mm. I've been hearing a lot about the Scarlet Witch ongoing series is coming out. I haven't got a chance to pick it up yet, but every creator I've talked to has been really saying, check this book out. There's a lot of stuff going on with it, so I'm definitely planning on doing that this week. Also, Spider-Man number four, Dan Slott, Mark Bagley. What else do I need to say? Not much. No. They do no wrong, and this series has definitely been one to check out at the local comic shops as well. New Batman, Chip Zdarsky, what else can you say about that? A lot of very cool stuff is going on at your local comic shop, so definitely go out there, support them, and support your favorite independent podcast to covering comics because we're all putting in a lot of work, especially because as we record tonight, it'll be the Cheers to Comics, Cheers to the Awards, hey. honoring the best of 2022. Huge turnout for that, so I will be talking forever and ever with Brian Wayne from Cheers to Comics about that, so you definitely want to make sure you check that out on Facebook, YouTube, and podcast form when it drops. But before we let everybody go, obviously that's tying up 2002. Pad, I'm just going to kind of throw some shows at you. What are you most looking forward to in the new year? Movies, TV, and comics. Movies, obviously, the the Marvel stuff. You know, super excited for that. Uh, You know, in terms of non-Marvel stuff, I think the Transformers movie comes out this year, which I'm super fucking excited for. You know, Beast Wars, you know, Optimus Primal and all that. You know, TV shows, you know, that's kind of up in the air just because... You know, the big, you know, House of the Dragon isn't coming back this year. Lord of the Rings isn't coming back this year. You know, obviously, you got the final season of The Flash is airing this year, which it was it was an, it was announced today as we record Stephen Amell returning as uh, Oliver Queen mm-hmm. for one, at least one episode, you know, this season. So that's going to be super emotional to see, you know, to see the Arrowverse get its send off, you know, a proper send off. Obviously, Superman and Lois coming back. Super excited for that, you know, and, and just... Whatever else comes down the pike, just because you never know, something's going something's gonna to get announced, and I'm like, you know, I don't know, and then I see, like, a trailer or an ad for it, I'm going to be like, you know what, this sounds, this sounds really interesting, and then it could be my next favorite thing. Yeah, no, this year coming up, I mean, movie-wise, Marvel is set for a very, 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 very big year. Ant-Man uh, and the Wasp, Quantumania, is scheduled for February. I have a feeling tickets are going to go on sale this Monday. Probably. During the National Championship game because they're slated for another trailer to come out, I believe, then. Yes. And that's usually how it kind of plays out with them. Also, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, I think, is going to be looking absolutely phenomenal. Going to need tissues for that one. Yeah, that's definitely going to be hitting in the heartstrings. No doubt about that. But you also have to think about uh, Across the Spider-Verse. Yes. So that one is going to be one to keep on the radar as well. And then, you know, the DC send-offs, too, which, I mean, Shazam 2, yeah. I think, is going to be one that is going to surprise everybody. Yeah, I think so. The Flash. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be a movie. It's, I'm not sure I buy the reports of their folks as excited for it as they were at The Dark Knight. But Yeah, there's, we'll a, there's a lot of Boy, we'll see. interesting comments, and that's all I'm going to leave it at uh, coming, around, coming uh-huh. out around that one. Uh-huh. And that whole franchise, too, which I just don't Boy, feel like. Me. Green Custom, how much money would it take? Yeah, seriously, just James Gunn, right the wrong. It could happen. Grant Gustin should have been the Flash since day one. Just going to put that out there. Uh, but also, like I say, there's there's a lot of movies that are going to come out that I know we're definitely going to have to keep our eyes off for. Cocaine Bear. Oh, my God, yes. You know, that's Greatest one, movie of all time. That one's jumping out to me. Uh, I, as far as the TV shows go, Mandalorian's coming back yes. this year. Yes. So we got to remember yeah, that. Last in February, I think? Yep, Last of Us is coming. Coming in a week and a half now. 
So that'll be back. Uh, Legends of Vox Machina yep. is coming back for season two. Yep. Hunters is coming back to Amazon Prime Video, so oh, I'm super okay. excited to see that. That has been a phenomenal series if you haven't got a chance to check that one out. And then you have to think about the Marvel shows as well. Yep. We do know Loki season two is yep. scheduled to drop at some point. Yep. I believe Agatha is Covenant, coming. In. Covenant of Chaos, yeah. They're, they're doing some casting for that, so that might be getting ready to start filming here soon. Yeah, so I wouldn't doubt that that'll be the one to close out this year. Uh, what is it? You've also got the... Uh, Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion, and then the animated one. I'm blanking. Oh, What If uh, season two. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, What If is just fine. Yeah. So there's a lot to be, look forward to there. And then comic book-wise, there is a lot coming out this year. Like Marvel and what they're doing with the X-Men line, too, and Fall of X and the crossovers are coming out, and especially the Captain America one that's kicking off, too, with Cold War. Oh, okay. That's going to be one you definitely want to keep your eyes out for. And then tell you what, DC is having a really good year for that as well, too, because they have a brand new – it's almost like Superman Reborn, so to speak. Because they're redoing the entire Superman line, pretty much. Oh yeah, they like they reinstated his uh, hidden identity. Yeah, so that's just like the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. So they'll be really doing some cool things there. Yeah, which I which I did read a little bit of that new Superman comic. I love the one line in it where Manchester Black is being or Lex Luthor is asking Manchester Black if uh, Superman thinks about him, and Manchester Black just goes, "Not one bit." Yeah. No, I love what they've set up for there. I think that that's going to be super huge. So if you're looking to get back into Superman or even trying it for the first time, I think they have a lot of cool projects coming out there, especially Jonathan Kent is taking over the Superman blue costume mm-hmm. a little bit too, and they're actually going to do a Connor Kent book, I believe, coming oh, out as yeah. well too. Yeah, yeah. They have a lot of stuff coming out that you definitely want to keep an eye out for, especially revolving around the dawn of DC because that is going to be the big kickoff that really – I don't want to say restarts the universes, but I, I have a feeling this is going to be more like Reborn, hmm. or Rebirth, rather, Maybe. that they're going to get back to basics. I would hope so. And I'm definitely excited to see how this all plays out, and I really want to see them succeed. Because, I, like I say, the fact that we're getting a Shazam book by Mark Wade and Dan Mora, yeah. that's, a not, like, t- that's a take my money moment right there. And then let alone, we have a new Doom Patrol coming out, too. Mm-hmm. Two Green Lantern books. I mean, there's a lot of wind to be coming out from here. And then on the flip side, too, you have from Image coming a lot of really interesting books, but I don't think anything is bigger on my radar right now than the No One, uh, mm. which is coming out of the Massiverse, the Murder Mystery, which has the podcast coming with it as well, too. So I think that one is going to be a monster book. Plus, they got Supermassive 2 coming out. And I know I talk a lot about what they're doing over there in the Radiant Black universe, but I'm telling you what, it's one of the best comic universes out there right now. So if you're not on board, you definitely want to get on board. And like I say, they're poised to have a monster year in 2023. So obviously we'll be talking about that on here, Parlay Points, and everywhere you check out great comics. Definitely is a lot to be excited about, and it's all kind of stemming out from the Cheers to Comics Cheersies tonight. So definitely want to plug that show as well because I'll be co-hosting with Brian Wayne and doing more content about that because it's 2023, folks. Let's get excited. Let's have a great year, and let's make the most of the time we have with it. So that said, for anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. That's it for this first week of 2023 for the one and only Padawan J. Doesn't matter what year it is. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one